Hi, welcome to the Seattle Mama Doc podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood. And of course, often we may not feel good enough and I'm having one of those days. So my goal here is to help you face these things straight on. And I think this is mostly a kind of little op-ed and maybe a ramble. So fasten your seatbelt. Hopefully it already was fastened if you're in the car. And I was I was joking here with Stacy, who's in the room helping support my work. And um, I said, she said, I want to hear this podcast. I said, well, at least there'll be one play. <laughs> so she's going to listen. So I'm here and I'm going to talk a little bit about um, ultimately my relationship with my iPhone. Uh, I'd love to be really non-specific here and just say my smartphone, but I think it might be relevant that I'm using an iPhone. Um, I love the thing. And of course, I'm getting scared about how much I love it. Uh, Stacy, in preparation and getting me some things ready for this podcast, was kind enough to do a Google Trends search. I mean, you can literally just go into Google Trends and take any word you want and search on how many people around the world have been using that search term over time. And she printed out a graph for me um, on this search for phone addiction. And it is a really steady upslope, really, over the last five years. So I think around the world, you and me and everybody else is thinking more and more about phone addiction as a problem. And I think one of the elemental challenges here is that what we get wrong is that we feel like there's something wrong with us when we think about this. So our inner critic lights up. We start hearing that negative voice in our head thinking about how we're using the phone at the dinner table. Shoot. uh, You looked at the text message when you were driving. Shoot. Um, You checked your email probably 45 times. Shoot. You're waiting for someone to text you back that you really care about and they haven't said anything. You put a photo up and no one seems to really like it on Instagram. Shoot. Gosh, I checked into Facebook 25 times yesterday and Mark Zuckerberg today is in front of Congress trying to defend the business practices of Facebook and I'm the moron who went there. Right? That kind of narrative, I think, goes through most of our minds as we know the finger wagging that says compartmentalize, put your phones away, don't sleep next to your cell phone, turn the light off at night or it'll mess up your sleep, get off Facebook and really talk to your kids, right? And you can think about kind of the elder generation finger wagging. And I think what our experiences are becoming is that these smartphones, these apps, these solutions allow us to do our work anywhere, from the airplane, from the airport, from our vacation, from the toilet, from standing in line, from anywhere, from school pickup, from school not pickup, from the middle of a boring meeting, anywhere, right? You can get your work done. You can order your groceries. You can connect with a friend. You can laugh about something. You can inspire laughter in someone that that you want to keep connected to. I mean, it's remarkable. But I think one of our biggest challenges right now that there are people working on is that we think of it as kind of human frailty, our own frailty, that somehow we're not strong enough, that we can't resist these urges. And at times we feel like we can, and at times we feel like we can't. And it's the pioneering work of people like Tristan Harris, who I think are guiding lights into understanding what's happening to the human condition. And I don't know Tristan, although he's coming to Seattle, and we're likely doing a talk together in the fall. And so if you live in this area, I hope you join us. Tristan Harris is the founder of the Center for Humane Technology. And he's a guy that I mostly know about because of other experts in the field and an incredible article that was written about him back in November of 2016 in The Atlantic. And it outlines Tristan's 
past of being an undergrad in computer science at Stanford and then working in the tech industry and interning at Apple and then ultimately finding his way to Google and thinking about how the design capacities and the behavior change models that he studied with some really smart psychologists at Stanford and in other places were ultimately um, – helping design people to act in addicted ways, designed to um, jail them to the red notification flag, the color on your iPhone, to change your behaviors, change your desire to connect, change your impulse to respond, and ultimately transforming human experience. That technology was becoming so uh, insightful almost and so smart. It was changing what human beings were doing. And, you know, the the article quote that I think I've seen most quoted often is that Harris, this, this guy Tristan Harris, is the closest thing Silicon Valley has to a conscience as he works collaboratively with multiple organizations to think really carefully on what is design doing. You know, there are different industries that have learned pretty quickly about from a safety standard to change their relationship with smartphones. So you may remember the flight path where a couple pilots were in a cockpit literally flew past Minneapolis-St. Paul because they were on their smartphones, missed landing, did a huge circle, and had to come back and land. And at that point, the FAA said the cockpit has to be sterile, and these pilots and their co-pilots can't actually have their smartphones up there because they're so distracting. And we blame and we mock and we laugh and we look at that pilot and we think there's something wrong with that pilot. There might be something wrong with that pilot, but emblematic to that is ultimately that that phone is so divisive (laughs) at taking away their attention. They forgot to do their job with a hundred and so passengers behind them, and not to a point that they ever put them really at safety risk, but they probably really could have, right? So that was the wake-up call. And I think, you know, some of the research coming out, a a study that I looked at that, you know, entitled Increases in Depressive Symptoms, Suicide-Related Outcomes, and Suicide Rates in Teens um, Linked to New Media Screen Time. That was an article by Jean Twinge. I actually don't, Twinge, I don't even know how to say her last name, but she also wrote a really um, notable article in The Atlantic last summer that circulated really about kind of what's happening to teen experience and sadness because of use of smartphones. And then one of the most interesting things I've read recently was an article called The Extended iSelf, The Impact of iPhone's Separation on Your Cognition, Emotion, and Physiology. And let me just read you a quote from the abstract. I won't go into the whole study, but let me just read this to you. They studied basically how you can think, how you can focus, and who you are if you're separated from your phone. So they took iPhone users and then they, were, they made these iPhone users unable to answer their ringing iPhone during a word search puzzle. And they watched their heart rate and their blood pressure increase, their self-reported feelings of anxiety and unpleasantness increased, and their self-reported extended self and cognition decreased. But the thing is, I think you know this, just like I do. Like, I panic when I lose my phone. Like, I mean, it's like, it's not normal. Like, I, I really think I, be, I become sweaty. <laughs> like, my heart rate goes up, my blood pressure goes up, and I become singularly focused on finding that. If my phone is buzzing like crazy and I haven't muted it or I haven't gone in airplane mode in a meeting, I worry, is that my nanny calling? Is that my... Um, the my husband calling? Is that the teacher calling? Like, is someone calling who needs me? When in reality, is it an emergency really usually? No, of course not. Or am I missing out on something, right? So we can mock this kind of concept of FOMO, and we can point to teenagers. But the reality is, I think most of us are coming to a place of really significant um, sadness about our own inability to deal with these devices. So 
I guess what I want you to do today, or the one point that having looked at a little bit of the research and even starting to prepare and anticipate a panel with Tristan Harris and um, Jim Steyer, who founded Common Sense Media in the fall here at Seattle Children's in Seattle, that we want the public to come to and I want developers to come to. I mean, these are such leading people thinking about this, is just for me the acknowledgement that this isn't so much about my own failing. <laughs> I'm just saying not that we're all doing it right and not that you shouldn't try and keep working on your compartmentalization and making sure you don't have devices at dinner and not putting the phone in the front seat when you drive. All these things that I work so hard to keep doing and my kids keep work hard to doing. But it's it's to let yourself off the hook a little bit to know that you don't have control over all of this as much as you think you do. These are these technologies are designed with the human spirit and the human desire to be connected and the human desire not to feel lonely in mind. And you are wired not to want to be alone. And you are wired to be connected. And you are wired to be generous. And you are wired to be thoughtful. And you are wired to be loving. And you are wired to show people your interest and to reflect back to them and to be responsive. You are made that way because that's what got you and your lineage and your ancestors where you are today. And that's great. It's just that we live in this different time where we are being urged to live in these different ways because simplicity and friction has been taken away in our life because of these phones. And we're all feeling it. And I think this is a journey that we're all on together. I mean, this phone in my life hasn't always been here. I'm not a digital native. I went off to college without a cell phone. I didn't get one until I was in medical school. I didn't even have access to a computer for my first three years of medical school in my apartment at night. So I went to school. I studied with books. I had pencils and pens and paper. And I went to sleep at night. And then my life, of course, dramatically changed in 2010 when I got a smartphone, too. But I'll tell you, everybody's feeling it. And we feel guilty because of how great these are. Like, you know, Stacey's sitting here and she was telling me that her she took a video of her son jumping in his crib. He's 13 months old. And then she showed him jumping. She showed him the video of him jumping in the crib. And now every time she takes out his phone, all he wants is that phone. And that sweet little boy just wants to see himself jump and wants to see his mommy laugh when he laughs and wants to feel what it's like to sit on her lap while they share that beautiful re-experience. And there's nothing wrong with him and there's nothing wrong with her. But we're starting to feel bad about this because of the way that we're talking about these social networks and the way that privacy is being conformed and the way that we're starting to look at each other. Okay, so here's the thing. I really want you to know that you're wired for kindness and love and belonging, and that is awesome, and that's where we are. But in addition to giving you that point, I want to give you one other thing that I've done in the last week, and that is turning my phone into a grayscale. And it's Tristan Harris's video that I watched on Common Sense Media. So just Google Tristan Harris, um, Truth About Tech, or Google Common Sense Media, Truth About Tech, or we're going to put a link on the blog and the podcast. But here's what you can do. You can turn your phone, at least an iPhone, and that's kind of why I was focused on iPhones, into basically a black and white thing. And you will start to realize how if you don't have that red badge with numbers on it telling you to go look at that app, or if you don't have the color on your apps, they are much less alluring. Even the photographs, even though they're beautiful in gray and white and black and white, they don't tend to take your attention. And with by programming your phone in a certain way, it isn't that you permanently change it. You can change it back to have color. So this morning I was taking a picture of the sky, and I had it in gray and white, and then I retook it 
out of gray into color. And I did enjoy that more to look at that photo I was taking. And then I put it back into grayscale. So there is a way for you to do this in just a matter of a few steps, but it is not easy to do. It's not like one little toggle, but you can basically engineer your phone so that if you have an iPhone 10, you triple hit the side button and it just goes from gray and white back into color, back into gray and white. Or if you've got the versions before that, you double click basically your home button. So you go to do grayscale, you go into settings, then you go into your general, and then you go into accessibility. I'm not even going to tell you all these steps because without the screen grabs, I don't think you can do it by just listening. But just go and look up Truth About Tech, Tristan, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, and you're going to find this video where he explains it. And I only had to stop the video twice while I was doing it, and I was able to re-engineer my phone. So now I can make that thing not as sexy, not as addicting, not as pretty. So give yourself a break and then give yourself the option to not have your phone be perfect candy. You know, I'm on the brink of going on a holiday, um, and for the last week, my nine-year-old has been providing propaganda for me, not just to turn my phone off and put it in airplane mode, which is what I do a lot on vacation so that I don't check my email or check Instagram or look at Facebook or respond to a text. But he is actually championing the concept of me leaving my phone in Seattle when I get on the airplane that has my boarding pass, right? And when I get on the airplane where, like, I probably would want to respond to my team that's at work in the office and want to support them when I'm not there and be away. And I said to him, but that's my camera. And he said, oh, mommy. And he used the word mommy. Thank God. He still calls me mommy. He said, oh, mommy, we have another we have another camera. So I'll report back what I decide to do. But this is really hard for me because my blood pressure is going to go up just like the data. And my heart rate's going to go up just like the data. And I'm going to feel anxious just like the data. And I'm going to feel frustrated just like the data if I'm separated from my phone. And the reason is, is because I'm human, because I want to be connected to all the people in my life. And I want to be connected to ideas. And I want to take pictures. But more than anything, I do want to cherish these days. And I do want to cherish my boy. So I'll report back. Give yourself a break. There's nothing wrong with you that you're having a hard time with social media. And there's nothing wrong with you that you're probably like four out of 10 Americans that last week told the Pew Internet Project that they aren't going to quit all their social media channels, even though they're concerned about privacy. We're all trying to figure it out. And we're all working hard. And thank goodness there are these people like Tristan Harris and Jim Steyer who started Common Sense Media to help us with our kids' media. But my hope is that you give yourself a little bit of leeway that you are wired so beautifully, and that's why this has taken up so much of your time and attention. Parenting is a high-stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 